everybody. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And sometimes I wish people could see the video because we only use the audio when we record because I like to actually talk to faces. But today, sitting across from me is David Kissan, and he looks so cool with his super on-trend glasses. David is the founder of a company called Sip and Bloom that I actually found out about on Instagram. David, welcome to the program. I'm so delighted to talk to you because you were one of the highlights of my pandemic life. Stephanie, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with your community. Yes, it was. Okay, so I think I first was invited by an agency to take part in a floral arrangement workshop that you did, and we did it at Royal Foundry. And wow, like I love flowers and I felt like I knew a little about flower arranging, but you taught me so much. Like in particular, I remember you showing me how to massage a rose to get it to open up so beautifully like you see them in wedding arrangements. That's right. Yes. We love teaching those little tips and tricks that take a traditional flower arrangement that you would do in your home and just take it to the next level. It's all about facilitating those tips and tricks to get you ahead of floral design trends and just have a ton of fun along the way. So you are, I would say, a creative person beyond just like floral. So give me a little bit about your background because we only met at that one exchange and I'm just, I'm crazy about you. I'm obsessed with you on Instagram. Uh, Likewise. So I am a third generation florist. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And my mother ran a direct-to-consumer flower business out of our childhood home. And so when it came to high holidays or uh, Valentine's Day, events like that, we would get so crazy busy. And so mama put her kids to work. And um, that was really my first taste of flower design. And to be honest, design in general. And I just adored it. From there, I ended up going to Penn State University, where I got my undergrad in theater design, actually. So totally wanted to leave the whole floral design thing behind and and really immerse myself in the arts. And I ended up spending about seven years in the nonprofit arts sector. And so I was doing large-scale public programming. Everything sort of circled around design. I always had that interest and that want to get my hands dirty in the creative process. And it wasn't until I moved to Minnesota, actually, three years ago, that I I really took a second to step back and think about what it is that I'm most passionate about. And it really comes down to the people. I love hanging out with people. The last thing I want to do is putting putting baby in the back room and having to just sit down there and do a yeah. hundred flower arrangements myself just doesn't interest me. I like to be out with the people and and really teaching some of these skill sets that really are limited to just a few people that maybe grew up in the industry or know people that are florists. It's such a siloed industry I have found. And Sip and Bloom is really an opportunity for us to break those barriers down and allow floral design thinking to happen with the general public. So you, how many siblings did you have in your family? I have five brothers and one sister. Okay, so it really was like all six of the kids with mom at these holidays. I bet your house was just full, filled with flowers. And there were cousins there running around. My uh, my aunt is a fabulous florist known across Pittsburgh as a, as a really um, creative person. And so it would be a whole family affair and, and so much fun. It's so great to hear that it was a family business that you've taken to the next level. So, all right. So Sip and Bloom 
in its genesis, like tell me how you decided to start it and did you need any startup capital or was it just like, is Instagram enough? Great question. So it started off with just one event. So I knew I wanted to sort of step back into this floral space and I knew that I wanted to do it from an event standpoint. And so it really began with me identifying a few individuals that I thought would enjoy this first go-round experience, you know, the early adopters of Sip and Bloom. So we just planned a private event for, I want to say at that time, it was about 12 people. And we all um, came together around a table with a few bottles of wine and really worked through the process. At that point, I was really just developing what you might experience at one of these events. So it was, um, it was sort of the grassroots start to everything through that event. Um, it ended up being a huge success, got a lot of um, both learnings from it, um, but also positive feedback uh, and and clearly saw that this was something that the Minnesota community would love and embrace. So that was the jumping off point. We did end up bootstrapping it. Having um, just moved here, I did have a little a bit of a nest egg that I sort of had to dig into. Um, by the end of those first few months, the savings were gone. So we were out on a little bit of a limb and had to make it work. Um, but no, yeah, there was no initial investments. Um, there, we, we very much bootstrapped this business and, and did utilize social media as, as our uh, main way of not only attracting new clients, but also um, retaining our clients and making sure that we had cross-through communication. Did you use like Eventbrite to sell tickets or did you just cash and carry? Like some of those things I think that prevent people from doing events are like setting up an Eventbrite. How do I take the money? And then like when people come sending them communication, did you use email? I'm curious about like what tools you use to legitimately facilitate an event with a creative person. Yeah. So it, it sort of went through a few different phases. At the beginning, we just used Eventbrite. I was very knowledgeable at that tool and sort of um, saw it as a really great jumping off point. And I would recommend it to anyone who's starting an events-driven business. Um, I think that's a really good place to go. But ultimately, we did want to start capturing a bit more of our clients' communication channels so that we could reach them in a few different ways. And so I I felt a bit limited ultimately by Eventbrite. So one, and we're talking after using it for a whole year. Sure. And then also keeping in mind that the pandemic had struck. And so um, it gave me a moment to sort of step back and reanalyze, you know, how we are developing the, these relationships, how we are, um, are capturing... Um, our communication cycles. And, and that's when we decided to really start to utilize Square. So Square is a payment processing program. They're known for um, having a really savvy um, cell phone attachment that just goes to the bottom of our devices here. And so I was using that when I uh, was in front of a customer with a credit card. But they also offer during the pandemic a free website trial. And so what we did is we developed our own version of Eventbrite at sip-n-bloom.com. And that is what really took, took our programming to the next level. Because from that point on, all of our ticket sales were internal. And that's really smart of you. And that's kind of, I'm glad that I'm asking these questions because I think as an entrepreneur of a service, you know, you don't think about these things in the beginning. You just want to work with people and do this creative stuff, but then it is a business and you want to treat it like a business and you need to have, 
your email communications be professional and you need to gather the money and taxes and all those things that come with the business. So you used Square for all of your transactions. That's amazing. And for your ticketing. All right. And you're still using that. And that I'm assuming, do you also use Square for like your consulting fees if you work on a floral project outside of a sip and bloom event? Yes. So I do all of my invoicing directly through Square. So when you develop the website, it does give you a whole dashboard that really optimizes some of the tools. I don't optimize every single tool. There's so much that Square has the capacity to um, to provide, but I've sort of pinpointed the ones that are important for my business and for our community. And so that's really what I utilize the most with Square. But yes, uh, everything up until this point is now in-house within that website. So cool because I have Square and I use like one thing, you know, buy this one thing. (laughs) But I guess you're making me kind of rethink my own strategy of events and how to market them. So I'm glad that no matter what you're using as the point of sale, you really just want to think about the different uh, fee structures. So there's benefits and there's drawbacks to using Eventbrite. If you're first getting started, they, for example, collect sales tax for you. So you don't have to worry about all of that. Um, It's not a liability to your business. Now, as you start to advance and you want to have a little bit more control over your bookkeeping and your accounting, using a device like Square and or optimizing the QuickBooks attachment, which is an option that you could do, does give you the upper hand if that's specifically um, important for your business. But it really depends on where you are in the entrepreneurial process and where you'd like to go. I love it. This is great. Perfect information. Okay. So you then started inviting people to come to breweries and distilleries and making flower arrangements with you. Tell me how you like you had your first one as a beta and now like how many of these do you do a week and do you still love it? Yeah. Um, I am a card carrying extrovert. I need people to survive. And so I'm actually the type that when I'm at these events, even though it is work for me, you know, it's definitely, um, I have um, clocked in for the day uh, when these events are getting set up. I get so much energy from it. And so um, we end up doing approximately two to three open to the public events per week, and then um, one to two private events per week. And so that really ranges from anything from if you wanted to get a group of your colleagues together and do almost a team building activity, we provide those services. Or if you just wanted to get a group of friends and family together to make some wreaths around the dining room table, we also provide that service. So it really ranges, but the private event business is really where we're looking to um, continue to grow. And just, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that go into a private event, but is there a range generally, like it costs generally from X amount to X amount, depending on the upgrades and the accoutrement? Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, things sort of range. We we look to uh, when it's out in the public, let's say um, you're hosting um, a group of your colleagues, right? And um, we can connect you with a bar and brewery partner that we have an existing relationship with. That 
party can then sort of provide you with catering services, beverage services, and then we layer in that flower design piece. So um, when it comes to our price point, um, we start off our petite flower arrangements at $55. And then depending on the specifications that you'd like each of your guests to experience. And, and those those upgrades can really look a, a lot of different ways depending on the time of the year. For example, we're going into holiday season and everyone loves those porch pots. And we have the most beautiful evergreen porch pots with all of those dried flowers that look so beautiful on the front porch. And so those, those really upgrade the experiences, but they've been incredibly popular. I think this is a big year for entertaining in your homes. We haven't been able to do that for quite some time, and I think people are eager to get the party going back back at home. So those those holiday arrangements have become very popular. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Just hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yes, I can't wait. You also took place in a fashion event and produced a fashion event with some other makers. Can you tell me about that? Like, your energy level, I just, I feel like you are so creative and that like, we're just at the beginning of all the things you have the potential to do. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot because I think um, this is sort of the time of year, at least for me, where I start to look inward and really develop um, where I'd like to see um my own professional development move forward, as well as the development of this small business. And definitely thinking into... Um, those those crosshairs between uh, runway and fashion florals is something that I've always personally been interested in. I was sort of hoping that the discussion would head this way because I just brought a quick little wearable floral piece that I've been working on here because we we just love developing these individual sort of wearable elements um, with our fresh flowers. He was just and, uh, so you know, listeners. He put on a headband that had these beautiful orchids on it. It was just fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've been developing um, for quite some time with the fashion community here in Minneapolis, some um, collaborative events that allows us to work with um, individual makers, stylists and designers that we don't usually get to um, hang out with in our everyday programming. So for me, it's a creative push, right? It, it allows me to, to really um, experiment with some projects that I don't always get to work on. Um, Sip and Bloom is, to a certain extent, um, cut and dry in our programming, right? We really want to focus on tabletop flower arrangements or um, home decor pieces. But I personally love wearables. I've always had a passion for it. I love to see the creativity that can um, can emerge from bringing flower, specifically fresh flowers, into your outfits. And so um, runway events have really um, allowed us to do that. So just earlier today, I met with um, our artistic director of fashion events, Amy Seaman, um, who's known especially uh, locally, but across the state in styling and, you know, looks for fall, looks for spring. And so we, we're already starting to develop what we want to do for this upcoming season. Follow along because it's going to be really exciting. <laughs> hey, and just like... I just let lends me to think of like we think of just if I think about brides, you know, bridal veils and bridal headpieces and like, why don't we make like beautiful bridal flower arrangements for your head? It's a great question. I think ultimately the work of wearables does take some time to flesh out. 
we are just actually talking about introducing some entry-level wearable making workshops in this coming fiscal year, which is super exciting. Um, similar to the headband that I just tried on. I wish the audience was able to see it, but um, but definitely give us a follow at Sib and Bloom on Instagram for a few examples of what um, fashion wearables could potentially look like, because um, we do want to start experimenting with our audience and with our community to, to play around with that. Ultimately, what it comes down to is a little bit of training, a little bit of floral mechanics and some behind the scenes uh, tips and tricks that um, would really allow you to elevate flower design into something that um, could be potentially made for a wedding event or for um, a special party. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's definitely something we're working on behind the scenes. Why you don't see it that often really comes down to um, the amount of time and work that goes into these. Yeah. So um, you could potentially, we have so many amazing florists in this state that I know have the skill set, but oftentimes it comes down to, do they have the time? Yeah. When you're working on these big scale weddings, you know, if there's 300 people all getting together for an event, just the tabletops and the decor pieces are really an exuberant amount of time. So breaking those down into those detailed pieces too, um, I'd love to see more of that as as um, bridal tra- uh, trends change. Do you garden? I do live in downtown Minneapolis. Um, we have a little rooftop garden here that I try to that I try to engage in as much as possible. I do live in a um, community uh, driven building, and so it's it's a shared garden space. It's not something that I take complete control over, um, but I absolutely love to get my hands dirty. I specifically am passionate about succulents. And what I've learned just in this last year is that they do surprisingly well in our climate. So you can grow succulents outside. Now, the key with this is to make sure that you are transplanting those into indoor ceramics and bringing them inside your home before the first frost. Right. Oh, I love that. So that's a whole nother angle to the business, too, because they have a longer life. They need less water like that could from a fashion perspective or even like, I don't know, you see the social media walls that are made of flowers and event succulents really would lend themselves to that. Absolutely. Well, this has been a blast. I'm really excited. I'm going to air this episode on the 9th of November. So you must have a lot of holiday opportunities coming up. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, we just released a ton of November events. And on Tuesday, we will be releasing more December events. This is a super fun time of the year. Uh, like I said, I think a lot of people will be entertaining at home this year. So adding that floral element to your space, I think just goes such a long way. Yeah, I'm coming again. Now, I have one other question for you. And I'm only asking this because it's personally, I'm intrigued because I'm a little selfish. But so I'm in this book tour and I'm at all these exteriorly facing events where I'm, you know, a couple times a day, like out there and you talk about how you get your energy from people and I do too. But I also find more so than ever that I'm either 110% on or my off switch is like 5%. Yeah. And I have to like recharge and I wasn't doing a great job of recharging enough how do you recharge when you're so forward facing and putting out so much energy into the world? That's a really great, uh, really great question. I think it's so important that you take a little bit of time at home 
with your closest loved ones. And just my personal favorite is just getting some food going, some home-cooked food around the table. I light a bunch of candles and all the little lanterns, try to make this place as cozy as possible. And, you know, that's really what recharges me, sort of just getting into that, especially now that it's fall and we're starting to get into those those um, cozy fall fashion yeah. uh, pieces and with some um, some warm chili on the stove and some yep. candles going. That's my recharge. I, okay. uh, you know, I just love um, spending time with just the family and um, and really um, eating good food, getting yeah. cozy, <laughs> getting quiet. I love it. Getting right, quiet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I will put links to your Instagram and also your website and class information in the show notes. It's really been lovely to spend time with you. The class I took. I learned a lot. I had a great flower arrangement. I had a nice cocktail from Royal Distillery um, cocktail room, and it was just a super lovely event. I can't wait to try and catch you during the holidays too. Thanks for being a pro guest on the program. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. It's always uh, a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.